And uh, please then follow as I read uh, Zechariah chapter 11. We will start in uh, uh, chapter 10. We didn't quite finish 10, but we'll read uh, 11. And uh, you'll see much about uh, false shepherds in this chapter. Zechariah chapter 11. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that a fire may consume your cedars. Wail, O Cypress, for the cedar has fallen, because the mighty trees have been destroyed. Wail, O Oaks of Bashan, for the impenetrable forest has come down. There is a sound of the shepherds' wail, for their might is destroyed. There is a sound of the young lion's roar, for the pride of the Jordan is destroyed. Thus says Yahweh, my God, shepherd the flock that is doomed to slaughter. Those who buy them slaughter them and are not held guilty. And each of them who sells them says, blessed be Yahweh. Indeed, I've become rich and their own shepherds do not spare them. For I will no longer spare the inhabitants of the land, declares Yahweh. But behold, I will cause the men to fall each into another's hand and into the hand of his king, and they will crush the land, and I will not deliver them from their hand. So I shepherded the flock doomed to slaughter, hence the afflicted of the flock, and I took myself two staffs, and one I called favor, and the other called union. So I shepherded the flock. Then I annihilated the three shepherds in one month, for my soul was impatient with them, and their soul also was weary of me. Then I said, I will not shepherd you. What is to die, let it die. And what is to be annihilated, let it be annihilated. And let those who remain consume one another's flesh. And I took my staff favor and cut it in pieces to break my covenant, which I had cut with all the peoples. So it was broken on that day. And thus the afflicted of the flock who were watching me knew that it was the word of the Lord or the word of Yahweh. And I said to them, if it is good in your sight, give me my wages, but if not, never mind. So they weighed out 30 shekels of silver as my wages. Then Yahweh said to me, throw it to the potter, that valuable price at which I was valued by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the potter in the house of Yahweh. Then I cut in pieces my second staff, union, to break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. Then Yahweh said to me, Take again for yourself the equipment of the foolish shepherd. For behold, I am going to raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for those who face annihilation. Seek the young, heal the broken, or sustain the one standing, but will consume the flesh of the fat of the sheep and tear off their hoofs. Woe to the worthless shepherd who forsakes the flock. A sword will be on his arm, and on his right eye, his arm will be totally dried up, and his right eye will be utterly dimmed. We looked at the beginning of chapter 10 last week. We saw there were military images and images of blessing. We ended with verse 5, where God saves his people. And verse 6, he says, I am Yahweh, their God, and I will answer them. He will cause them to return because he has compassion on them, and they will be as though I had not rejected them. We 
we ended with the verse in uh, Psalm 106, yet he saved them for the sake of his name, uh, that he might make his might known. God saved them, not because of who they were, but because of who he was. He says in verse 6, I am Yahweh, their God, and I will answer them. Concerning himself, he says, I am. Concerning his care for the people, he says, I will answer them. Uh, those who pray, as in verse 1, he encouraged them to pray. Nothing gets done with, without prayer. That's not just some automatic blessing from God. We need to, to seek his face for the things that uh, we desire. And those who continue to call upon the Lord. Here's a result for Ephraim. You remember, he mentions tribes. He mentions Joseph or Jacob as a, a picture of the, uh, the nation. It looks back and forward like uh, verse, uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 17. He brought gladness to the hearts of the people because of the completion of the temple. And there's present and future gladness for God's people. Uh, there's always a look back and a look forward. So verses 8 through 10 are verses that I've called the gathering verses. If you notice, it says he will whistle for them to gather them. He will sow them among the people and they will live and turn back. Verse 10, he will cause them to return and gather them and bring them back to the land. The uh, idea of whistling uh, is interesting to us, but it's the same reason that we would whistle uh, to get somebody's attention. Uh, I recently was out with the boys and the lady was showing us her dog and the dog wandered off and I never thought such a loud whistle could come out of such a small woman, but, uh, but it did. And the dog stopped right where he was and came back. Uh, Isaiah 5.26 talks about God whistling and gathering. And Isaiah 7.18, the context is uh, Isaiah talking to Ahaz in the uh, Emmanuel passage. And God says, I'll whistle to the fly who is Egypt. And I'll whistle to the bee who's Assyria. He says, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whistle to them and they're going to come and they're going to destroy this nation. That's the, the context of it. So he whistles, gathers, and uh, promises. Uh, these are pictures, remember. And the, the uh, ultimate gathering is the gospel. The ultimate gathering is when God gathers all his people. Uh, you remember Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 32, I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. That, that's how God ultimately gathers. He gathers his people based on the salvation that's found in Christ. There is growth from a small, battered number of people to a numerous number. Uh, uh, many uh, will return. And this anticipation of Yahweh's work began right then. More people were still coming back to Jerusalem. More people were hearing the temples being built. Nehemiah came with all those people. The walls are being built. Things are going on. Let's go back. But many people came to Jerusalem and were saved. So it anticipates. It's interesting that he gathers them from afar and notice from Egypt and Assyria. So he whistled for Egypt and Assyria in Isaiah to come and destroy. And now the scattered people, he whistles and they come from those same nations. They come into Gilead and it'll, the place will be full of people until there's no more room. Uh, I, I thought of that uh, 
the uh, incident in Jesus' life where the people were crowded around the door. The four friends bring the guy, they're carrying him. He's a paralytic, he can't walk. There's no room for them to get in. And they had to go up. Uh, they had to go up on the roof and break it down and let him down. There, there was no more room. People were coming to hear, hear the gospel. Egypt and Assyria are uh, defeated in verse 11. These two remaining superpowers are, are overcome. And it doesn't have to be militarily. We don't have to say, oh, there has to be this big battle at some point. No, they're defeated by the gospel. They're defeated by people who are there in those uh, uh, countries who, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice verse, notice verse 12. It's a, a, a new covenant uh, flavor. And I will make them mighty in Yahweh. Not physical warriors. But he says, and in his name they will walk, declares the Lord. They'll be, they'll be mighty because they walk with God. They'll be mighty because they have a relationship. God says, I'm going to gather them together so that they'll be mighty uh, in me. And, and then we come to the uh, very interesting chapter 11. Uh, every, time, every time I start and I intend to say, well, we'll get through chapter 11. And then I start to study and I say, there's no way. We're going to get through chapter 11. The various titles in, in commentaries and Bibles reflect the diversity of the issues that are in this chapter and to some degree uh, reflect the views that people have taken. Uh, one heading says, the doomed flock. Another heading says, woe to the worthless shepherd. Another heading of the chapter says, the flock doomed to slaughter. Another one says, the desolation of Israel. Uh, T.V. Moore, in his heading, his sixth major heading uh, of the outline of Zechariah, he says that this is the mission of Messiah. So, so it's interesting, isn't it? But you remember, I think we mentioned that. Once the king comes in chapter 9, uh, the writers are looking, right? The king's coming. And many of the writers relate everything to the Messiah. Here's false shepherds. Who's the good shepherd? Here's this. Who, what age are we talking about? So, so uh, Moore says this is the mission of the Messiah. Everybody else is focused on these uh, doomed shepherds, which really is, uh, is the focus. So if we look at an outline, there's a symbolic poetic judgment in verses 1 through 3. Then there is a descriptive call to Zechariah in four verse four and through verse six, because God says, "Shepherd the doomed flock." This is my call to you. And then Zechariah answers the call, verse seven and following. He says, "So I shepherded." God told me what to do, and he says, "So I did it." This section of the prophecy begins in chapter 9 and verse 1 and it leads to prosperity and judgment of the enemies in chapter 10. Now there's another picture uh, of Yahweh's work. Uh, Kyle and Dalitz say namely that the wrath of Jehovah is kindled over the shepherds when he visits his flock, the house of Judah, is more elaborately developed and an announcement is made of the manner in which the Lord visits his people and rescues them out of the world powers who are seeking to destroy it. And then, because it repays his pastoral fidelity with ingratitude, he gives it up into the hands of the foolish shepherd who will destroy it. There 
is uh, in this passage, it says you, you'll be afflicted internally and externally as well. The coming of the king ensures the help and salvation of Israel. It ensures the prosperity. All of the ingathering and spiritual prosperity of chapter 10 is, is, is brought about by the Messiah. And uh, the writers also anticipate the greater uh, blessings of the messianic age. So our look at the chapter, we need to have in mind that we're going to see uh, some of these things. First of all, we're going to see connections to the whole prophecy and all the history of Israel. We're going to see judgment that we can say is current, past, and future. In a sense, we might ask ourselves the questions when you're talking about false prophets, who could be worse than the false prophets, the Pharisees and the Sadducees? We could move into today when you're talking about false prophets, who could be worse false prophets than this person or that person or this person or that person? But it's also a, a chance for retrospection. The, the, the verses 1 through 3 will show us a, 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 a land that's completely wiped out. It uses the trees as a picture. And we can look back and say, yeah, that's really what happened. But we can also say under the ministry of a false prophet, everything is destroyed. People's souls uh, are destroyed. There's warning, there's anticipation, and there is a, a tremendous amount of symbolism. Verses 1 through 3 is all symbolic. And... Uh, uh, Webb calls verses 4 through 17 enacted parables. So God tells uh, Zechariah, go to the, and minister to the doomed flock. You know, what kind of commission is that? Much like Isaiah's commission. Isaiah says, how, what am I going to do? How long am I going to minister? And God says, till this whole land is wasted. And what am I going to do? Are people going to get the message? He says, no. Their ears are going to be plugged up. They're not going to see with their eyes and their heart's going to become a fat. It actually means that there will be a barrier around their heart. Isaiah says, I, I don't want that ministry. You think of young Timothy. First Timothy says, I, I sent you to Ephesus so you could start teaching people not to teach false doctrine. Oh, great. What a great thing. I'm a pastor now. What do I do? Find people in the congregation that are teaching false doctrine and tell them to stop. That's your... That's your goal. So these are enacted parables. I, I, I like that because they, they are pictures uh, of uh, what is going on. When speaking of this chapter and the false shepherds, uh, Moore says these evils are described in highly dramatic form. It, it's a, a, a doomed flock. You can see it, a doomed flock. Trees that are knocked down, wiped out, completely gone. It's, a, it's highly dramatic. Concerning verses 1 through 3, uh, Webb says, This short poem is an excellent example of how the Old Testament prophets took forms of speech from ordinary life and used them to express their message. And so here's our symbolic poetic judgment. One writer says it's a poetic lament. There's the common use of created things with the use of intense language uh, and pictures. And the, right there in, in verse 1, you, you see it. Right there in verse 1. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that a fire may consume your cedars. Now who, who would do that? 
oh, there's a fire outside the house. The whole forest is, out, is in flames outside the house. Open the door. I'm not going to open the door. There's fire out there. But that's the, that's the command. And notice the, the picturesque. He uses Lebanon and Bashan here because they were just beautiful areas, right? The cedars of Lebanon. A beautiful area. And it's as if God talks to the trees and tells the trees, open the door. The fire's coming. Picturesque. Who would respond? Catastrophic danger of fire. We've seen that over and over again. In those days, once a fire started, there was, there was hardly any way to put it out. Right? We're familiar with those Western movies. I uh, have mentioned that before. Right? They have buckets. Somebody's house is on fire and they're passing buckets around. And you're like, did they really have to show us this? The house is going to burn down. Guy's throwing one bucket on it at a time. It's not going to work. Well, back then, back then, it was even worse. Who would respond? Who would say, okay, I'll lay myself open to utter ruin. But God says, you trees, open the door. Here comes fire. And then uh, this poetic intensity is underscored by uh, commands and repetition. Uh, three times uh, the word whale is used. Uh, verse 2, whale, O Cyprus. Uh, verse 2 again, whale, O oaks of Bashan. And then the, uh, the end of it is, verse 3, there is a sound of the shepherd's whale. So there's wailing. There's a focus on trees. The, uh, in verse 3, also, there's, a, a, the, there's sound going on. There's the sound of the shepherd's whale. There's the sound of the young lion's roar. It's, it's all graphic, wailing and sound and pictures and trees. The trees are beautiful and strong and necessary. They, they were part of, they were part of the, the pride of the land, you might say. We, we may go to California and see those redwoods and say, they're absolutely nothing like this. You, you know what I mean when I talk about stark beauty or raw beauty. You can go places and look at things in this earth and it just hits you, doesn't it? You just say, look at that. It, it takes my breath away just about. One time as a young man, I hiked with a friend of mine up to the, the, the tallest peaks in Colorado and, and you got to where there was no trees left. And then the trees were only this big. And then it was just rocky stuff. And then you got to the top and you saw for miles, maybe hundreds of miles, the rest of the, the, the Rockies. Because you got to a peak where you could, could see it all. And it was just like, whoa, let's just stay here. Let's stay here and look at this. Lebanon and Basin were, were prized, beautiful places. And God says, open the door, fire is coming. He tells the cypresses to wail. A wail is a cry of despair and death. You don't, you don't wail unless, the, unless something is really going wrong. And God says, start to do it. The oaks of Bashan, he says, here's a plenteous area with wailing oaks. He pictures the trees themselves. They're crying out. They're wailing because of what's going on. Notice the results embedded in the passage. The, the, the legacy has the words fallen, destroyed, come down, destroyed. That's the result. What's going to happen? Kick the door open. There's fire coming. Fallen, 
destroyed, come down, destroyed. The pride of the Jordan is destroyed. If you know about that geography, or you could think of Psalm 1. Where is the man who is blessed? Where is he planted? He's planted by water. And when does he prosper? All the time. That's the picture. In that climate, you remember our study in Psalm 63, when David was in the wilderness, what was out there? Almost nothing. But if I go close to the Jordan, what's there? Trees, vegetation, animals. And God says, the pride of the Jordan is all the vegetation that's around it. He says, he says, well, take it away. Devastation and destruction are the result. The picture is a fiery destruction of renowned forests. Somebody, if somebody came and told us, do, do you know that the Everglades burned down last night? You'd say, that's impossible. There, there's hundreds of millions of acres over there. No, if, if God causes judgment, the picture would be, well, the, I'm, I'm worried about that. I've been there. I saw the Everglades. It's beautiful. Destruction. There's an interesting parable in a, that, that fits this picture. In the history of Israel, there's a man named Abimelech who wants to be a, a, a king. He wants to have uh, authority. And they give him money. And then it says he uh, hires worthless and reckless fellows. You know people that do that, right? They hang around with the wrong crowd. And some of them say, these are my friends. Well, what about him? He's always in trouble. No, that's, oh, he's my friend. So he hires all these people and they murder and they do all this stuff. And this man, Jotham, is, is speaking this parable. And he says, the, the bramble talks to the trees. And you know what a bramble is. If in good faith you were anointing me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. You're going to take refuge in the shade of a bramble? In a nice uh, sunny Florida summer? Oh, it's 91. I think, I'll, I think I'll sit under this bramble for a while. They'll, sit, they'll think the heat got to you before you got, right? But if not, right? If, if you don't want to come and take refuge in the shade of the bramble... Let fire come out of the bramble and devour what? The cedars of Lebanon. He uses the picture in the parable. Who could, who could destroy the cedars of Lebanon? But that's what happened to those people. Abimelech's life uh, affected many of them. And they took shade under this bramble and were destroyed. The works, the works, I believe, of the false prophets is what God is using to, to display this picture chapter, I mean verse 3, shows us there is a sh sound of the shepherd's wail. And you could take this, you could take this commercially as well, right? There were shepherds that were shepherds who had shepherds. Uh, a few verses down, it'll talk about people that, that sold shepherds and gained. Uh, I, I still think that it's a a parable about the false shepherds. The rest of the chapter just underscores the ministry to God's people. But, but what happens? In, in the past, there was judgment. They were warned. They were told, you follow these things. Otherwise, what would happen? God said, I'll start taking this land apart. You'll have drought. You'll have this. Locusts will come. You'll have that. 
He said other nations are going to come. You remember the, the pattern. First the Philistines would come, then the Edomites, then they pushed them back, then they pushed the Philistines back. Then, Well, finally, nations came that there was no way to stop. There was no way to stop the larger nations. But false prophets, what happened? They were listened to, they were obeyed, they were in control of souls. We started the discussion with uh, Jeroboam. What was the first thing he did? I don't want people going to Jerusalem to worship. What should I do? I'm going to make places to worship in Bethel and Dan, and we'll, uh, we'll come up with a few feasts, and we'll find people who can be priests in this, and we'll, we'll start this whole system of false worship. Well, what happened to him? Where's Jeroboam? Where's all the false priests? Where's Bethel and Dan, and Dan right now in the history? They're gone. They're wiped out. But people listened to them and obeyed them. They were in control. Notice, notice the a reference to the Pharisees and scribes. What, were, what, what did they do? They controlled things. They con politically controlled and, and emotionally and religiously controlled. John chapter 9. People's son, is, is, he's healed from blindness. He's been blind his whole life. His parents do not rejoice. They're so afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue that they dance around it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. He's old enough. Why didn't you ask him? The guy comes back and he says, how could anybody except somebody who came from God open a blind man's eyes? And they kick him out. But that's what they did. Oh, you don't believe the false prophets? Oh, then you're in trouble. The anticipation of restoration, the building, the Messiah, all the symbols that are used frequently in, in all the prophets. Who's coming? The great shepherd. The good shepherd is coming. The shepherd, the shepherd above all shepherd is coming. Who? The shepherd who lay down his life for his sheep. The shepherd who knows how to, how, how to tend and knows how to care. And as pastors, we're exhorted, be shepherds of the flock. Don't have anybody push you into it. Don't have anybody give you money and say, oh, I get money for shepherding. No, shepherd with care. Shepherd with mercy. Shepherd like the Lord Jesus Christ because it says the great shepherd is coming back and that's what we want. The, the rest, what is it? it? It's just burned up, laid down, smashed down uh, trees all over the place. One writer says, one writer says the, the Babylonians cut down trees to build siege works so they could conquer Jerusalem. What are you doing with those trees? Uh, we're building the framework so we could destroy your city. Uh, just one translation note. The, uh, the, the uh, English Standard Version uses the, the thicket. The thicket is destroyed. So they're, they're sticking with the picture of... Uh, of vegetation being destroyed, that's all. But uh, every place else says pride. And uh, in uh, Zechariah 9, 6, and 10, 11, we've, also, we've already seen verses, pride, it's pride. So we'll stick with that. Uh, everything is destroyed. False religion and false prophets arose, and Yahweh completely destroyed uh, the land. Uh, the false prophets... Oh, they, they will because they don't have anybody left to lead astray. That, that's, that's what happens. They don't have anybody left. 
uh, Jeremiah says very much the same thing, actually uses the word whale. Jeremiah 25, 34 through 37. Wail, you shepherds, and cry out. And roll yourselves in ashes, you masters of the flock. For the days of your slaughter and your scatterings are being fulfilled. And you will fall like a desirable vessel. Refuge will perish from the shepherds and escape from the mighty ones of the flock. That's the picture in Zechariah, isn't it? There's no refuge. Everything's destroyed. Hear the sound of the cry of the shepherds and the wailing of the mighty ones of the flock. It's a... It's an ironic picture, isn't it? Oh, you're so mighty. You're so majestic. Like the lion, the pride of the lion, like the trees. The, the, everybody would say, oh, have you seen the cedars of Lebanon? And Jeremiah says, uh, Yahweh is destroying their pasture. And the peaceful pastures are made silent because of the burning anger uh, of the Lord. We've seen it over and over and over again. And God said, I'm going to take everything out. And the land is just going to be a place for wild animals. That's all that's going to be left because I'm taking the people away. These shepherds are like those who would, who would take the flock to a precipice and then let them go off. Oh, look how far that one fell. Oh, look at that sheep. He, he wandered off over there. Look how far he fell. Because they really don't care. You can see them. You can see them on reports, you can see them on TV, you can hear them on radio, and they do not care about people that they're supposed to shepherd. They're supposed to lead them to the gospel. They're supposed to lead them to comfort, but they lead them to themselves. <clears throat> Recently, the guy said, you have ailments? God wants you to be healed. You're sick? Whose fault is that? That's, that's what they feed their flock with. They feed their flock with guilt because their, their thing is, I, I have faith not to be sick, even though the guy wore a pacemaker. But he told them, I saw gray hair, and I just said, gray hair, go away. Do you have faith to do that? See? Oh, I do. That, that's, the, that's the false message, isn't it? The true shepherd says, I was a sinner just like everybody here. And I'm put here by the grace and mercy of God to tell you that you can be forgiven of your sins. Not to put guilt on you. Not to say, I just, I just say a word and, and the gray hair went away. To back it up, the guy had to lie and say, and I told that pacemaker, you better do your job. And people sit there and listen to it. All the time, every Lord's Day, on the radio, on the TV. And God says, you might as well have every tree torn down. You might as well open the door and let the fire in because that is what's going to happen. If you listen to false teaching and follow it, you will be burning in hell. That's the point. You cannot escape it. And, and praise the Lord. He says the false prophets are not going to escape it. But you can't get to Judgment Day and say, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know this was false teaching. You're responsible. We're responsible to be students of the Word. Right. Amen. The hired hand, what does he do, Jesus says? He just takes off. Here comes the wolf. The hired hand's there. He's got his staff. He's ready. Oh, here comes trouble. 
Well, I, I don't own the sheep. After all, I'm just a hired hand. What does he do? He's gone. And meanwhile, what else is going on? Everybody's trying to do what? Break in and kill. Break in and destroy. And Jesus says, no. I'm the good shepherd. I protect. Their glory and their pride are destroyed. In John 11, verse 47, people come back from the healing of Lazarus and give the report in a bad way. They give the report to the Pharisees and the council in a bad way. Oh, do you know what he just did? He just raised a guy from the dead. And what do they say? Oh, they're, they're, they're going to, if he keeps doing these signs, people will believe in him and they're going to take away our place. They're going to take away our place and our nation. We're doing good here. We have political power. We, we can deceive people and they don't know it. We, if people say stuff, we just kick them out. But if this guy keeps going, they're going to come and take this all away. And the irony is that the Romans did anyway. And they went about all this hard work. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him what? Twice. Twice as much a child as hell as you. Why? Because a false, a false person hears it and they say, oh, this was like nothing I ever heard. This was like no teaching I ever heard. This was really something. This guy has an in with God. He told his hair not to turn gray. He, he can heal everybody. He could do this. He could do that. And they become zealots for false teaching. Twice the child of hell. What a picture. And we could ask in our day, what will the next generation of false prophets look like? It's staggering. It's staggering to think what people believe in this day and age. But if we look back, it's any generation in history. The prophets are filled with stuff against false prophets. Second Peter chapter 2, the longest portion in the entire New Testament against false prophets. And he, he just says, so look, I'm ready to die. The time that Jesus predicted is coming close. And until I leave, all I want you to do is remember, 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 remember. And then he spends an entire chapter on false prophets. That's how dangerous it is. So we come to verses uh, 4 through 6, a descriptive call to Zechariah. First, verse 4, here's the call. Become a shepherd or shepherd these people. And verse 7 is the answer back. So I became a shepherd. Notice it's a, a divine commission. Thus said Yahweh my God. What a beautiful thing for a prophet to know and understand. God comes and calls him, tells him to do something. And the prophet knows that's my God speaking to me. Uh, there's a, a relationship. Uh, there's a sovereign God, but there's a, a personal God as well. You, you, you can't say, oh, well, God's just out there. I don't understand him. No, Zechariah knew a different God. I'm getting a command from God, but who is he? He's my God. We have a relationship with one another. That's important. Oh, the sovereignty of God. No, no. God is your God. God can, you could say God is my God. Jesus is my Savior. It's an example of what Yahweh should be. 
And then here's the command. Shepherd the flock that's doomed to slaughter, that's intended for slaughter. Feed the flock for the slaughter uh, is one, right? So that idea is fatten them up, get them ready because they're all getting slaughtered. Here's a description of the doomed sheep in verse 5. And, and it's some tension that we would have in our day. Uh, verse 5. Those who buy them, slaughter them, and are not held guilty. We would cry out. We've talked about it as your, your pastors. We would cry out and we wonder, why aren't these men removed why doesn't God come and just take them away and stop them? But that's the problem. That's the problem. In the end times, Paul tells Timothy, the people are going to go after that because they're going to have itching ears and they're going to want to find people that speak to their passions. I don't want to hear about sin. I don't want to hear about judgment. I really don't want to hear that I have problems I want to hear a nice message. Well, you can start by reading all of Joel Osteen's books and listen to them every week, and you'll hear a nice message that will prepare you for an eternity in hell. Because he just tries to be more gracious than God. Oh, I don't find it in my heart to condemn anybody. I've heard him say it. Let's, let's not talk about sin. Let's not talk about it. From the beginning of time, after the gospel came, the message of false teachers have been, man is not so bad and God is not so mad. They make a dichotomy. God hates the sin but loves the sinner. That is a lie. There's not just sins in hell. There's people screaming in hell and gnashing their teeth because they didn't believe the gospel. It's a terrible, terrible thing. It's a terrible thing to say that that's true, but that is true. I really love you, but I hate what you're doing. You can't separate it. But God isn't that bad, and man isn't that bad. And that's what's preached everywhere. They're not held guilty. There's a marketplace picture. Look, the false shepherds, they gain money and blaspheme. I've become rich because of God. That's what they'll tell you. Private jets, mansions. The one guy says, I have the biggest house in Louisiana. Literally, he does. Something like 30,000 square feet. All from money for people that believed lies. You say, how in the world could you make that much money? It's because people love lies. You tell them what they want to hear, they will open their pockets. And... They constantly tell you, look, for your $1,000 today, God will really bless you. He'll pour out your blessing. The one guy said, don't let me hear change tinkling around. I want to hear a silent offering. Blasphemous. And they say, the Lord's prospered me. The Lord's given me all this. It's the same as in this passage. It's a very familiar scene. Own shepherds, it says, they don't even, even spare, notice. And their own shepherds do not spare them. In, in, the, in the picture of economy, you don't spare your sheep. 
You shear them, you take them to market, and you get what you can. In the, in the picture of the false shepherds, it's the same thing. You don't, you shear them for whatever you can get, and you don't spare any of them. Right? The, the one guy talked about all these prayer letters. He had all these gadgets and things little arrows and little pieces of string and and I prayed over this string and I'm sending you this string and I'm sending you my little arrow on the piece of paper and the office for his donations was a, 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 a room in a bank and the the investigative reporter went to the dumpster in the back and what was in there a bunch of strings, a bunch of pictures of people who had ailments and were sick, a bunch of people who had broken lives and they said, I'm sending, I put my name on this, I'm sending this arrow back. And they asked people, does he pray for these people? No, he doesn't. He collects the money. You, you, you wonder why we would not pray that these people would be cut off. In God's mercy, that person was, he was revealed. Oh, I'm, I'm here to heal people tonight. And they have somebody else asking, somebody else asking Oh, yeah, there, there's a guy named Russ in the fourth row. I, I think there's a person, Russ, here tonight. Oh, that's me. He's talking about me. Yeah, because his wife's speaking through a speaker in his ear. And, and they gathered all this information before. And they're lying to people. But what does Yahweh said in verse 6? Here it comes. You would say, oh, it's about time. God says, I will no longer spare the inhabitants of the land. I'm not going to do it anymore. Because the people that follow the false teachers are just as guilty as those that, that speak it. And I just realized we are out of time plus. So you have an assignment for next week. We are coming in... Uh, Zechariah 11 to verse 12 and 13 that talks about the, the pieces of silver. And your assignment next week is to look at Matthew 27, 9 and 10 and figure out why uh, Matthew says it was a fulfillment of what Jeremiah said. That's your assignment for next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we feel like we haven't scratched the surface, but we pray that you would embed these things in our hearts. Help us to look out for false teachers, but help us to be truly thankful and to know that we, we have heard Christ. He said in that passage, my sheep hear my voice. May we hear the voice of the true shepherd today. Amen.